0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the twenty four seven Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivans, joined as always by David Lake. David, Ben, I don't think it's been too long since we last taped, but uh, yeah, a ton of things have happened in the world of my uh, in in Miami's world, I should say. Uh, Transfer portal additions, staff changes, guys coming back. Um, we got a lot to talk
1: about. We do have a lot to talk about. I do feel like though our last podcast, we we did hint that these things were coming, and we kind of shared those thoughts on those potential moves happening. So hopefully that carried everyone over. Um, we appreciate the patience. Uh, but yeah, let's get into all these all these new moves. Yeah, we did um, kind of project
0: or state that we thought certain things. We're going to happen. One thing I didn't foresee happening was Miami landing Charleston Rambo. Uh, Literally like an hour after that podcast published, he announced for Miami. So, um, look, I knew Miami was after him. They wanted a wide receiver one. I just didn't know talks had advanced that far. Um, It is Mm -hmm. what it is on my end. I'm not going to get them all. Uh, I get more than my fair share. But what do you think about the addition of Mr. uh, Mr. Rambo.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, look, I I do think it's a good addition. I think I've, I've stated in recent podcasts, do I necessarily think he is um, like a, a no doubt wide receiver one kind of that X receiver that can work the sidelines, make contested catches uh, be a consistent deep threat. I don't know if he's that guy, but I do think he is an improvement, right? I think um, he is another weapon that defenses have to be more aware of uh, compared to like a Mark Pope or a D. Wiggins. There's just there's been more uh, production there in his career. And the way I view him, honestly, in terms of skill set, he kind of reminds me of like a bigger Mike Harley, if that makes sense. Um, so he's he has good long speed. He kind of knows where to be. He, he, he knows how to read defenses. Um, it's just he kind of works more on the outside. Uh, and, and obviously, like I said, he's, he's a taller, bigger version of Mike Harley. So I would view it, honestly, as like Mike Harley is wide receiver 1.5. Charleston Rambo is wide receiver 1.5. And then, you know, whoever is the other guy, whether that's Mark Pope, D. Wiggins, uh, you know, even maybe Keyshawn Smith or whoever, it's going to be a battle, and then you know, Will Mallory is another weapon in, in, in the receiving game that defenses have to contend with. So, um, I like the move, I think it makes a lot of sense, and um, you know, I think, in my opinion, I guess he probably was just off the top of my head, you could argue he was the best wide receiver option in the portal. Um, well. That was my two
0: questions I had for you. Do you think he is, um, was the best that's in there? And follow-up to that, is he better than what Miami has right now in that wide receiver room? So I guess my big question is, is he better than Mike
1: Harley? Um, it's hard for me to say because they are different receivers, Right. Honestly, I'll I'll probably give an edge to Mike Harley just because I have so much respect for what he did during the second half of the season. Um, In those final six games, Mike Harley was averaging 100 yards per game and a touchdown per game. And there weren't many other wide receivers in the country that were putting up those averages during that span. So I will give the edge to Mike Harley, but I think it's close. I think Charleston Rambo's right there. And, And so... You know, that alone is a big addition. And is he the best wide receiver in the portal? I think he's in the discussion. I don't think he's head and shoulders, the best wide receiver that was available in the portal, but he's in that discussion. And so, um, you know, it is a good get for Miami in that regard. Can he be KJ Osborne? Um, I, I probably would give my, my, my initial impression is that KJ's probably a little better. Um, but if, if he works hard, you know, maybe he can reach that level. What, what is your impression on Charleston when comparing him to, to KJ?
0: I think in terms of like mindset, and I don't know as much about Charles as I did KJ um, when, when Miami landed KJ Osborne uh, two years ago and he, he came in. But I, I, I like the move in the sense that Miami needed to shake up that wide yes. receiver room. Um, we saw them try to do that during the season when Rob Likens listed everyone in the depth chart as, or, 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 um, and I think they got some guys to elevate their play, but that group again, faded down the stretch. And I know some other media outlets have made it a big deal that Miami has 12 scholarship receivers or whatever now, but it's like, dude, I mean, they, they have to get it figured out. Uh, the wide receiver play has been, um, below. You know, below par, like they get it has to get better, and you can't be worried about hurting people's feelings. You got to win games. So, do I think that Rambo is going to be an all ACC caliber player? I don't know, Uh, but I think he's going to light a fire under. Mark Pope, D. Wiggins, Jeremiah Payton, all those guys, and, and kind of get them going. And I, and I would hope that Miami kind of vetted this guy out and, and thinks that he can bring a similar mindset as K.J. Osborne in terms of being a uh, team player. I, when I looked up his bio, I found it interesting back in 2019 when he had that good season working with Jalen Hurts. He had like three or four tackles on, on kickoff coverage. Um okay. I mean, I don't know how many special teams D. Wiggins and, and Mark Pope play, but right. uh, you. You talk. I, I saw some NFL Scout tweet the other day, or maybe it was a couple of weeks ago. Like, you know, that's what they look for. That that says a lot. Guys playing special teams. So, and, and Rambo was a starter that year. So, I, I think he will give them something they need in that yes. room, and it's another option for uh, Deira King. Look, I think when Miami got him to come back. They kind of promised they would get him some
1: weapons and here's another weapon. I like the message it sends, right. As a program, like we're going to give the guys we recruit every opportunity to do it, to, to get it done. But if you guys don't get it done, if we can't count on you, we're going to search in the transfer portal for someone that can, and then you can react to everyone and react. You can try and step up and beat that guy out or you can, you know, get beat out or move on. So I I do like the message it sends.
0: Okay. So Rambo was transfer portal edition. Number one, um, since the last podcast, number two is a guy that um, I think a lot of people aren't surprised is is coming home. And that is Tyreek Stevenson, the defensive back out of Georgia, former Miami South Ridge product um, appeared in 24 games over the past two seasons for the Bulldogs. Last podcast we mentioned he was in the portal. We both thought he would end up at Miami. Saturday night he makes it official. I was actually telling some people inside his camp. I'm like, "Yo, man, you should just drag this as long as you can." <laughs> I was like, "Drag this out. Just get all the fan base. Just you know, going wild." But Saturday night he did it. I heard that was because he his application got completed and, and, and accepted on Friday. So. Miami's got a, a, a five-star defensive back on the roster
1: um, and a guy that plays with some confidence. Yeah, I mean, you know, you and I nitpicked in the last podcast about what the expectations should be of him as an outside corner, but, you know, the bottom line is he is an upgrade there, um, and he brings that mentality that, that Miami needs in their secondary. I think Bubba Bolden definitely has that mentality I think to Corey couch has that mentality. And outside of that, I mean, I think there was a lot of shaken confidence uh, with the other guys playing in that position group. So you get a guy like Tyreek Stevenson in the mix there now. Um, so that's, that's a good thing. And hopefully, you know, the confidence raises that some of that rubs off on those other guys and we see more consistency in that group. Um, I'll ask you the, the same the Same thing we were talking about with Charleston Rambo. Did Miami land the best cornerback in the transfer portal, in your opinion? Uh, well, I don't classify
0: Tyreek as a pure corner. Okay. Um, so it, it is that fair? Like, can they get away with that or no? I think, I that's think f- okay, gotta put it like this I think they landed one of the top five players in the transfer portal with him, right? Okay, right. so. Like you, if you have a counter spot, you're gonna do that. Do I think he necessarily again is the best corner in the portal? I don't know.
1: Right, I agree. I think the talent. I'm I'm in kind of wait and see mode. We'll wait. We'll see how it goes at corner. I could see it. I could see it going well, to be honest. And I could see it. You know, we've discussed like he's probably ideally like if we're projecting to the NFL. He's probably more of a safety, right? Um, but this is college football. Uh, how many quarterbacks are going to be good enough to take advantage of him? How many wide receivers are going to be good enough to take advantage of him? We'll find out in game one, right? Um, with well, I guys. think, yeah, I think he's going to play a lot. Like, yes. I think
0: there's going to be a I'm role for effective. him. Yeah, no, I think he will be Miami's starting slot corner. Like, that's what I think they're going to do. And, okay. then you, and then you would put, I mean, I don't really, I mean, then you let couch um, Ivy and blades kind of battle it out for those other, uh, other spots. You know, that's just how I see it. I mean, how many spread offenses will Miami face in 2021? Like they're going to be,
1: there's going to be a need for that slot corner to be out there. I, I, I think. Tell me this. So does he essentially just stay on the field all the time? So will he essentially be the striker?
0: I mean, people are going to moan and groan with me saying that, but I
1: I think, I think, yeah. Right. I mean, if he's using that role, I think so. I kind of think he's going to be on the outside, but we'll see. I mean, you know, I think he wants that opportunity. So we'll see how it goes in spring and, and fall camp and all that. And I think he'll, I think he will do well enough to to play that role, so, but I agree. Like in terms of skill set, he's probably more suited to be either, you know, that that nickel, big nickel corner, um, or a safety. So yeah. and, the bottom line is, he's a good player, versatile player, and yeah. you can line him up in different spots. Someone,
0: uh, Charles Power, who used to work for Twenty Four Seven Sports, I was going back through the recruiting profile. He compared Tyreek to Minka Fitzpatrick. Right, um, which I thought was kind of fair. I think he's a little bit bigger than Minka, though. Yes, um, I think so. And it, just to be clear, like I don't want people to come out of this thinking that I don't think Tyreek Stevenson can play corner or isn't good. I'm just saying from an evaluation standpoint, I think more safety than corner. Uh, but I, I could be wrong. You know, He does have good testing measurables. He's got it done out there before. I just think if you're trying to get the most out of him, I would probably lean to that slot corner uh, position.
1: Yeah, again, the bottom line is it upgrades the secondary, in my opinion, significantly, just with the talent level. Um, And and that's a position group that needed that. So a job well done by Miami. Can we just like
0: revisit Tyreek's recruitment real quick? Yeah. Because I was doing this. I counted, and I had him down for visiting Miami since the time he first emerged on the scene as a – national recruit or or a guy with power five offers 22 times in two years wow (laughs) and if you're familiar with the recruiting calendar there are like a lot of dead periods or or visits or, or times when you can't visit and i had him down for 22 known visits and if you talk with just people that are close to him or familiar with the decision process. A lot of people think he would have picked Miami had Manny Diaz not left for that temple job. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big Tyreek fan, right? So I think for that cycle, he was probably my favorite prospect just to go watch at a seven on seven or in a game. You know, I just like the way he plays the game physical and fast. Um, which is cool too, because the next year Miami got uh, Avante Williams, who was probably my favorite player of that cycle. Uh, so I guess I have a thing for DBs. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Tyreek, again, He play. he's a big dude that is fast and physical, and he is the type of defensive back Miami needs to start stacking in recruiting classes if they're going to get to the point where they're legitimately competing for championships. So Um, when viewing it through that lens, landing him is a big deal. Final stat I have, or just nugget. I want to toss in with
0: Tyreek Stevenson, because I was texting you about this, uh, go back to the 2019 cycle, uh, out of the top eight ranked players in South Florida. So in the tri-county area, Broward, Miami-Dade, um, And Palm Beach, three of them have already transferred schools. Tyreek Stevenson, um, Mark Anthony Richards, he's in the portal. And then John Dunmore. So I just thought that was
1: interesting. And this is why, you know, when this transfer portal thing became more of a thing, or I guess the the expected one-time transfer thing, right? You and I made the point, like, this is going to benefit Miami maybe more than any other school. Because if guys leave the area... And they want to come back home, which is typically what happens if guys want to transfer. Um, you know, Miami's going to have an opportunity to either accept those guys or or turn them away. So it's going to be it's going to continue to be a good thing, in my opinion, for Miami moving forward. Um,
0: speaking of Mark Anthony Richards, <coughs> Miami's essentially done yeah. in the transfer portal for now. So for the counters, we've been talking about it. You know, roster management podcast. Miami had three spots left. Uh, They added DeAndre Johnson, the edge rusher from Tennessee. He'll be here for spring football. They got Tyreek Stevenson. He'll be here for spring football. And then they got Charleston Rambo. I also think he'll be there for spring football. So those are the three. They're, They're done. You add them to what they had committed or what they signed. What was that, 21 guys? You're up to 24. They counted Jared Williams forward last cycle. So that's the 25 counters. Miami has exhausted them. What what they could do is count some guys forward, though, for that upcoming uh, what would that be twenty twenty two window? I guess yes. that's how you classify it. Right. Um, and from what I've gathered and what I have heard, Miami is open to this. Um, yeah. I would not think the door on the transfer portal is completely closed.
1: So, explain what that would mean. So, does that mean guys would be patient? Uh, and, and enroll during the summer? Explain what that means. So Miami has done this the past two years. Um,
0: they did it with Trayvon Hill, and then they did it with Jared Williams. What, what it means is if you count a guy forward, you can't start paying their... Uh, I don't know the exact details, but it's to my understanding, like you can't start paying their room and board and tuition until that August 1st window. Because uh, your counter, you get twenty five counters. It goes from like August to August, and those could be high school guys, transfers, whatever you want. So Miami could add, keep adding some veteran pieces, um, but those guys that they, they they couldn't come for the spring semester, you would need them to come in the summer, which is, you know, if you're one of these kids, you're probably gonna want to be at your next school in the spring. So they could pay their own way in, in theory, but most of them are gonna go somewhere where they have a spot, um, but we could go through spring football, you know, more kids could enter the portal. It can make more right. sense, but I I don't think Miami necessarily is done. And who knows, the NCAA could open things up and, and give people more counters. So let's, right. let's keep an eye on the portal. I think.
1: So you mentioned Mark Anthony Richards, right? Um, right. Is he a guy that, that kind of fits this mold? How do you view him? So he's someone that Miami has
0: had conversations with Mark Anthony Richards, is obviously the younger brother of Amon Richards. He was a former top 24 seven recruit out of the Wellington area. Um, I think he was listed as an athlete, right, David, you Mm -hmm. know, Miami visited. He took an official visit to Miami, ended up signing with Auburn. Auburn let him play running back. I think for a while, Miami always thought he was a safety um, appeared in a, a handful of games there, but entered the portal. He reached out to Miami as soon as his name was in the portal. I know there has been contact with Miami. Uh, Mark Anthony told me, I think it was Utah and Oklahoma were some of the other schools he had communicated with. And then I know Chris Hummer for 24-7 Sports, he wrote a story as well mentioning some more schools. But Mark is a guy that I think if he was if he wanted to come in the summer, Miami uh, – would would certainly consider that now like i said he could one of these other schools that has a spot could tell him right now and and he could go there but um i know he's one Uh, another guy i want to mention is tj carter he is a a cornerback out of memphis um who has started a ton of games right right david
1: yeah and and grades out fairly well like i don't know much about him right other than his pff grades but um, particularly early in his career when, when Mike Norvell was there, uh, he would grade out as one of the better cornerbacks at that group of five level. So he's he's an older guy. he'd be a one year grad transfer type. Um, but yeah, like he has played 3,000 defensive snaps in his career. Um, he's a five foot 11 190 pound corner. He's not. I, I did watch a little bit of uh, you know, YouTube highlights on him or whatever, but he, he's not like the, the fastest guy, I would yeah, say. I've heard that from someone else, so it's funny <laughs> you say that. But he, he's a guy that you know, is in good position. He's kind of more of a zone corner, I guess you would say. Um, and look, I'm not against the move bringing in a one-year corner, an older guy that has a lot of experience that could maybe raise the floor of that room.
0: Um, so I that's think what, interesting. I think what like TJ represents, I'm not saying he would be the guy, but they would be open to finding a one-year rental, um, that doesn't necessarily need to be there for spring football. Right. Uh, remember Jared Williams, Miami's offensive tackle, starting offensive tackle, right tackle last season, he wasn't there till August. So right. if you can get a veteran guy that has a ton of, of snaps under their belt, I think they're they're open to doing that. And, and there's also one more uh, the linebacker from USC. What, what is his name?
1: I don't know, but I will try Uh play. Gayoteote. So he seems to be the hot name. I keep seeing uh,
0: his name mentioned on message boards. I'll say this. I know Miami ha- has watched his film. I know they have talked with him. Um, I just don't really know where things stand. And, and again, one of those situations where is it would this kid wait a couple months to show up on campus. And it should be noted. He's also got a younger brother that just signed with Michigan state. So uh, I guess, David, what, what position, if, if they could add one more, would you, where do you think they should use that
1: number? Oh, I can only pick one. Right. I mean, I, so to me it's a debate, honestly, like I still don't feel great about defensive end to be honest. Uh, so it's a debate for me between defensive end and linebacker. I, I would probably go defensive end, to be honest. That's probably crazy um, based off that North Carolina game. But I just think this defense uh, is at its best when you got dominant defensive ends playing. And I, I like Jafari Harvey. I just, I'm not quite sold that he's going to be ready yet. Uh, hopefully he proves me wrong. And I'm not, you know, Zach McCloud flashed some things. I'm assuming him coming back, he's going to get more of a chance in that edge rush role. Maybe he does uh, take the next step and maybe he is the answer. Uh, but I would prefer a defensive end, but I get the move for a linebacker too. Um, you know, so to me, it's between those two positions. What, what would you say? uh
0: corner <laughs> no i agree with, i agree with your assessment of the edge rusher position gotta get yeah. some guys gotta gotta get some guys yeah but, or you got okay. or, or you got to have guys and i think they potentially could have some guys
1: just still a lot of question marks and honestly too you know it it, it Kind of all depends on what enters the portal, right? So if there's just a bunch of average defensive ends and a good linebacker, I mean, that's kind of an easy decision, right? So uh, the market in a way dictates a lot, you know, what Miami will chase, in my opinion, you know.
0: Um, Let's talk about these guys running it back. Miami has seen a, a run it back movement. A ton of players have announced that they're coming back to Miami. Jared Williams, we, we mentioned him, Zach McCloud, Nesta, Jade Silvera, Corey Gaynor, John Ford, Tate Martell.
1: Uh, <laughs> am I missing anyone? Who else has said they're coming back? DJ Scaife? Yeah, I mean, you know, it seems like everyone's coming back except maybe Brevin, right? And obviously, like, Jose Borigales. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you know, in my opinion, this is a, a very, very good sign and again, this is a uh, nerdy Homer talk, but the culture is changing at Miami, right? When you have these guys, because let's be real, uh, an issue for Miami over the past 15 years has been guys that are, you know, potentially fourth to seventh round picks in the NFL draft deciding to move on rather than come back and, and try and improve their draft stock and also play one more year at Miami. So, um, you know, this 2021 season, this is going to be an older team. I wrote an article on inside this morning, highlighting how um, this year's team potentially, you know, as things stand now. So if guys transfer out, this changes, et cetera, et cetera. But as things stand now, Miami will have 30 players on the roster scholarship players uh, with at least four years, or entering their fourth year at the college level in 2021, that's a ton. So, like the last few years, Miami's kind of been around that 15 mark uh, for most of these years, like since the Mark Richt era. Um, so that's double this year, and and honestly, too, in that Mark Richt era, a lot of those guys weren't playing, so they were older guys, but they were kind of like backups the majority of these fourth year or older players coming back are starters. Um, so, you know, Miami at this point doesn't have a, a, the type of roster that is going to, uh, you know, challenge an Alabama and Ohio State, a Clemson with raw talent. But the way they can make up for that talent is by having an older team. And so this year's team, you know, has a chance because of that. Um, And and in my opinion, like you look at that offense and the experience they they are returning on that offense, to me, it's very exciting. Um, You know, the entire offensive line comes back, obviously Derek King, all of the receiving core, except Brevin Jordan, but you're adding Charleston Rambo, all three of the running backs. Uh, I'm expecting a nice step forward, a nice jump from this offense in 2021. What, what are you expecting from the offense?
0: Oh, um, I, I think it'll be a good unit. I think getting the entire offensive lines back. My, my whole thing, it seems, and I'm not trying to rain it on your parade here, David, but I, I keep seeing different reporters that cover other teams are like, oh man, X team's going to be super talented or, or super sure. experienced next season. It's like, well, guys, everyone is pretty much getting guys back. But I, I do think... Miami setting itself up very well. Yeah. I'll remember uh, like two years ago, people I would talk with at Miami. They're like, they were so concerned about who would start at center against Alabama. They were like, they were when they would evaluate kids. They it would be, well, could this guy, you know, block a five-star defensive tackle at some right. point? And it's like, well, now you're gonna just have Corey Gaynor. Like Corey Gainer is gonna be back. So it. Right. It it is kind of funny how it's worked out and obviously it's taken a pandemic and all that and it's just an extremely weird circumstance, but it, it has set up kind of nicely for Miami in terms of the offensive line and all that. I, I think it's gonna be a good unit. I think there's no reason that the offense can't take it can't find another level, get get the next step. I mean, the one thing you would just be concerned about is Derek King's
1: knee, but we we'll, we'll see there. Yeah, I mean, big-time programs, this is what they do, and this is, the, th- this is what Miami is trying to work towards, right? They recruit big-time talent on the front end, um, and then on the back end, the guys that are actually playing are hopefully older and you know decide to, to come back for that fourth year. That's a big reason why Clemson is so successful. It seems like every year Clemson convinces some guy that's like a first or second-round pick to come back. Um, you know I'm not saying that's fair to expect Uh, Clemson obviously has something special going on in that regard but in a big picture sense uh, that's the challenge for Miami recruit top 10 top 15 classes on the front end and on the back end when those guys are starting you know as juniors or third year players try and convince your fair share of those guys to come back for another year Um, And also that has a domino effect in terms of developing the rest of the roster. So these young guys aren't thrust into uh, starting roles when they're not ready. Um, So this is a big deal, in my opinion, as Manny Diaz, and he's made it clear since he's been head coach at Miami, his goal is to uh, have an older roster, an older team at Miami. Um, and, And we're seeing that come to fruition now in his third year. And I think that's a reflection too on how the players, you know, like playing for Manny. They they like how he is a head coach. So um, it's all a good sign, and uh, we'll see how it goes in twenty twenty one.
0: Okay, let's take a quick break, and then in, on the other side, we will get into all the coaching changes.
1: Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
0: Okay, David. Um, I don't even know what day of the week it was, but Miami did announce some staff changes. I think what it was Thursday. Yes, Manny finalized his defensive snap or defensive staff. Excuse me. Jess Simpson hired. Demarcus Van Dyke promoted, um, and Blake Baker and Jonathan Pachy are, are staying put. I guess the other real big. Nugget, or not even Nugget, I mean, announcement from Miami's end is Manny Diaz will handle defensive play calling in 2021.
1: Yeah, so what do you want to dig into first? Let's dig into the Manny Diaz announcement first. Yeah, I think that's the bigger, let's not bury the lead. So the way I read that is, number one, Manny does not want to bring in someone to Uh, run a defense that's not his. Is that fair, you think? I mean, can I just tell you that's not – it's not happening. Right. At this point, that's not something Manny's going to do. The other – my other read on that, honestly, is I think Manny, in a way, is just trying to get out in front of the, uh, you know, uh, negative Blake Baker's coming back narrative. So he, Manny is taking all that on himself, right? Because um, I'm not sure necessarily uh, much is going to change with that announcement, right? Like, I do think there was games last year where Manny was calling defensive players, plays. Um, so I think he's just kind of getting out in front of it from like a PR perspective and saying, hey, this is my defense. Uh, yes, Blake Baker is the defensive coordinator. Um yes, things didn't go well, but like, we're all in this together. And, you know, if you're going to get mad at someone, get mad at me too. Um, so I think he's kind of, uh, taking some of that pressure off Blake in a way, uh, with that as announcement as well. Do you think that's fair? Or is that me being kooky?
0: No, I think you
1: are are spot on.
0: I don't think this really, I don't think much if anything is changing. Uh, at least behind the scenes in, in terms of what is actually going on. I think Manny had a huge play in the defense at, at certain points during the season. I think there was times when he drew up the game plan. I think there was times when he called the plays. Um, yeah. So I, I, on the surface, it looks like some change has been made, but I don't think much is is really different. You know,
1: I do well, think maybe – if there is a change, maybe, I mean, we'll see how it goes, but maybe Manny's just going to call the defense from the start of the game. I'm not necessarily sure that happened in all the games last year. I think in some games, you know, Manny kind of took over that duty during the course of the game. I also uh, so think
0: there's I also think there's times maybe Blake
1: took over right. play calling. Right. So, you know, it's a good, uh, it's an interesting announcement, I think. But really, the bottom line is, Manny believes in this defense. He still thinks he can run it at a high level, Um, and he trusts Blake to, uh, you know, help him build a game plan. So, um, I think those are just kind of the main takeaways there. Okay, let me ask you this though, and then we'll move on to the other hires. You and I both kind of said how maybe this doesn't change much. Um, Do you have any? So, my counterpoint would be: Do you have any concern? this could take away Manny's duties, uh, you know, the important duties that a head coach has to do, um, particularly recruiting. Do you think that impacts that at all? Just the time he puts into that? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. Again,
0: like, I don't know how much is changing. Right. And I, I think Manny was really, really involved in the Jake Garcia recruitment and there were some other ones on the offensive uh, offensive side of the ball as well. I I don't know. I I thought there was a really interesting tweet that was put out on on Thursday. It came from a football scoop who is, has his pulse, you know, he and his staff, Scott, uh, on the whole coaching situation. And he's like, the day that Manny says he needs to be more involved in the defense is the day David Cutcliffe at Duke says he needs to take a step back and focus on more being more of a CEO. Um, So I don't know.
1: I've I made know. my opinions clear on this. Like I think, I think it would be better for Manny to be more of a CEO. But look, if if this doesn't take away, because I do think the next step for Manny is to level up as a recruiter, and I think he did that in this twenty twenty one class. Like he took a nice step forward as a recruiter. But I still think he needs to take another step forward in that regard. And so, if this move does not hinder that, then I'm all for it. But if this move does kind of take away uh, the time and effort he puts into recruiting, uh, then, then I, I will be scratching my head a little bit. So we'll see how it goes. Um, let's talk about the two hires, Jess Simpson. I think we shared some
0: thoughts on the last podcast about that, but you did write some stories on inside about him. Just, I guess, give me a grade and then give
1: me your thoughts. Yeah. So I, I'm somewhere like, I I would probably grade it a B because I do think, you know, he is a good developer. I think he's a very good teacher. Um, you know, I I think again, there, there is some leveling up to do in, in recruiting. Um, but you know, how many, how many stud defensive line recruiters are really out there? That's typically more of a teacher position group than a recruiter position group. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a good teacher. He's going to work with, uh, you know, the five guys that he recruited to Miami. So, and, and it's their third year in the program, so it's time to step up. Guys like Jafari Harvey, Jared Harrison Hunt, Jason Blissett, Jalar Hawley, and Cam Williams. Um, and, and you look at his one season with Miami, that defensive line was ultra productive. Uh, Gerald Willis, John Garvin, and I believe Joe Jackson – was the other defensive end on that team. And I think Miami led the country in tackles for loss that year. And those defensive linemen, of course, played a big part in that. So uh, results are there. Uh, Manny Diaz, um, you know, highly respects his ability to develop. And so, um, you know, I give it a solid B. And look, if he does take that next step as a recruiter, you know, this hire to me is a B plus, A minus, um, and he'll get his chance to to show that recruiting ability in this 2022 class because it is loaded in South Florida. I give it a B as well.
0: Um, I think everyone is very concerned about the recruiting. Let's also not forget Miami with with Jess is now going to have the pitch that, hey, you want to go to the NFL? Well, this guy just spent, what was it, one or two seasons in the NFL. Um, So I wouldn't be too concerned about that and look i mean if the kids want to come to i I think people for aren't don't realize that right now if you are a four three or or you're an edge guy if you're a four three pass rusher like miami has the best most friendly scheme i think right for the for those guys in the state of florida right uh you got you got florida having more of a stand-up rushing linebacker um, I think Florida State does some give some funky looks as well, you know. So I think Miami has that to its advantage. Like if you want to play in a four three defense and get after the quarterback and learn from a guy that has experienced the NFL, then come play for Jess Simpson. And right, I said it on the last podcast. I think there's some people in Coral Gables that think Jess is a very, very good teacher. Um, and these are people that worked with Stroud and Jess Simpson and Coach Cool uh, Koligowski. So. You know, I, I give it a B, maybe B plus. I think uh, Jess is coming back, and you know he knows what it takes to recruit. Like you're going from the NFL back to to college, so you know you're going to have to recruit. So I'm assuming
1: he's he's going to embrace that role. Can I put you on the spot? And you might hate me for this, and I don't even know honestly how you're going to answer it.
0: Let's just not make it like the damn Charleston Rambo
1: thing. So, but I am curious. How would you rank just as a recruiter, how would you rank Craig Kuligowski, Jess Simpson, and Todd Stroud? Oof <laughs> like C's. <laughs> no, but uh, I mean you're ranking them one, two, three. Who is who is number one of that yes. group? Jess Stroud, cool. Okay. So in that regard. Is that surprising to you? No, I was I no. I mean I was on it. I was I was assuming uh It one and two was between Jess and Stroud. I didn't know which one you would go with. So, in that regard, it is encouraging, right? So because yeah, the defense, it's not like, I mean,
0: it's not, it's not like one's like a clear cut one, right? That's kind of why I asked. <laughs> but there I, are, I, I, I do think Jess. He was a high school. I think he, he can relate with kids. I th- like I said. I think that NFL thing is is a big deal. Um. Yeah. And I think Stroud just, you know, a lot of kids I talk to like Stroud. And I think with Cool, like, I don't know. I, I never got the vibe that he liked recruiting. Right. Um, you know, he wasn't really on board with the whole Greg Russo, which I think, look, man, you're <laughs> going to miss in evaluations. I get that. But there was some times when they were, like, chasing guys. It was just like, what are you doing? And I believe, I mean, this is before me. He was responsible for Tyreek Martin,
1: correct? Yes. I mean, yeah, that's a little bit unfair because it was like a transition take, I think. But yes, he took Tyreek Martin. Should, I mean, you know.
0: You should be judged by your the, the your bottom takes, man.
1: Sure. So, you know, I think, again, Jess Simpson has some improving to do in recruiting. Um, but yes, he certainly has a lot to sell. And he has a lot to work with, too, I think, at Miami, um, you know, with young developing these young talents. Obviously, okay. we
0: well- can I fire something in here? We didn't we didn't talk yeah. about on with guys coming back. Like if you're a Miami fan, I think you should be excited. Nesta's coming back. Yeah, I get I get it. John Ford's coming back. Like we always talk about how you need these veteran bodies against Alabama, but it's like, dude, these guys are these guys gonna take snaps from Gerard Harrison Hunt and Talar Holly and Jason Taylor? Yeah, like I think those guys are ready to. You know that's that's to me where it was like, oh man, like is that going to hamper? Well, the, those. I like Nesta,
1: right? I think Nesta coming back is a is a good deal. John Ford, um, you know, he should not just be the starter because of seniority. Uh, that needs I mean, to be earned. So
0: yeah, maybe against the first couple of drives against Bama because he's right been in it. But dude, like I think you know, JHH is someone who's going to take a step. Like I saw someone put out a tweet and they're like, Oh, Miami's front is it's going to be loaded. And it mentioned like Nesta and
1: John Ford. I'm like, dude, I think Gerard Harrison Hunt is the highest ceiling of all those guys. And I, I am very, very intrigued by Elijah, Elijah Roberts too. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not this year, but you know, I think he's, he could be a dude too in 2022 and beyond. So again, there's a lot to work with there. Um, you know, Chance Williams is a guy that's very physically talented. Jafari Harvey is, too. So, Jess Simpson has a lot to work with. And if, if he is a great developer, like uh, everyone everyone around UM believes, um, then the defensive line group is going to be in good shape. Um, Let's talk about DeMarcus Van Dyke. Yeah, I like it. You know, I think it makes sense. You know, essentially, the way I view this is kind of grooming him as the next T-Rob. Um, I think he's a hungry recruiter which you know needs Miami needed at that position group um, he obviously has a lot of pre-existing relationships from his other role and just being from uh, you know Miami Gardens area so I think this makes a lot of sense and uh, I'm excited to see how his uh, coaching career develops what were your thoughts
0: um I I think a lot of people don't realize it took some money to get T-Rob. And I'm not saying Miami got DeMarcus Van Dyke on a budget, but given how the staff is kind of assembled, I think it made a ton of sense to bring um, DeMarcus Van Dyke aboard. Like I said that I think he's someone that absolutely deserved an interview for that position. I I think even if Miami didn't get T-Rob, I know there were some conversations about Blake Baker potentially taking the safeties position and DVD working at corner. So I think he kind of like he, he in Manny's eyes did enough to earn this role. Um, And I think he's the the future is very bright. I had someone tell me this story over the weekend and I I thought it'd be good to share just kind of about DeMarcus Van Dyke. Cause I, I have this theory. If you take a former player guy in the NFL, they either most of the time, there's not much of a drive to grind if they're going to be a recruiter um, when it comes to, if they're a coach, when it comes to recruiting, I mean, you know, you, you already have money. Like, why would you want to grind on the recruiting trail? And I, I don't think DVD is someone who's just going to settle. Like I think he yeah. is a guy that's going to want to win battles. He's hungry for the best. And so, so basically someone told me they were on staff at FIU and a lot of people, I think, don't know that when Demarcus Van Dyke first got into coaching, it was at ASA Miami, which is the junior college upstart program. I don't even know it's somewhere in Miami. I don't know where yes. exactly it's located. But FIU would do coaching clinics for high schoolers in this high school coaches in the summer. You know, a lot of schools did this um, pre-COVID and all that. They said that DVD showed up to every single one, took notes on every single on everything when he was i think he was just the position coach at asa miami so i thought that was wow. pretty cool that it would just showed you know he was that hungry at that stage in his career you're just going over to fiu sitting in these coaches clinics and trying to retain as much information as possible and then you know when he got to miami um initially was
1: what a defensive analyst or was he a ga i can't remember he did work under rump for one year two years i forget right but yeah he was like a, a rumps ga essentially yeah and then i think a lot of people forget last
0: last year he went off to, with with the nfl for some scouting internship so right. to me he's a guy that is trying to progress in the ranks like he isn't going to settle with where he's at and i, I think they're going to get real aggressive when it comes to recruiting cornerbacks i know earl little in the class of 2022 is a major priority for them Jacoby spells, who was Earl Little's teammate um, at uh, American t- t- at American Hirsch. heritage. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm super interested and I think he potentially could be, uh, you know, uh, turn into a very good position coach.
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, the the thing that matters is results, right? Like, I'm not as extreme on the rum fate as a lot of, uh, you know, the fan base was, uh, but you can't argue with the results in terms of uh, winning those big, big, big time recruiting battles. So, uh, you know, I think on paper DVD certainly looks like a guy with a ton of potential, but the bottom line is going to be the bottom line. Who are you landing? Uh, Are you winning some of these big time battles every now and then? And if he does that, uh, you know, Miami could have a a cornerbacks coach or or defensive backs coach. One of the top ones for a very long time. And and that's always going to be a good thing. So well, I I guess B for him. I mean, yes, B, uh, but certainly I think the potential is there to be an A, uh, you know, if, if he fully, if he gets the results, right? I think that potential is there. So I like this hire a lot. Hmm
0: um you mentioned leonard taylor i guess we got to throw this nugget in there i put on the message board a few days ago i'm hearing now that there's a chance leonard taylor could potentially early enroll um you know he tweeted out that he wasn't going to enroll early Uh, i've heard that there's now a chance
1: he might be able to get in that would be
0: huge correct
1: yes yeah because you know he's a He's, he's their best recruit they signed, and he is a potential impact player on that defensive line. So get him in the strength program as soon as possible. Get him working with Jess Simpson as soon as possible. If all those things happen, I would expect Leonard Taylor to be on that two deep game one against Alabama. If, if it doesn't happen, mm. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he would have to work his way into the two deep. So um, special talent, if, if you can get him in, you got to get him in. I think it's
0: I, I I think there's a chance i i I know Jake Garcia now sounds like he's going to enroll early. um I know Romelo Brinson's also going to enroll early, so it, it it will be it'll be yeah. interesting. uh one more thing from from over the weekend. I did attend the actually i mean i I didn't attend i, I was <laughs> I was there like the entire time Working uh, it. yeah, the Florida Georgia game was on Sunday night at Trapawell Stadium. Uh, really cool event kind of a rebirth of that game yeah uh, Miami had one commit playing in it and that was Khalil Brantley caught a few passes he actually had a long like 35 yard catch and run called back for some holding penalty but I thought he was good, um, good. you know he's not going to roll early the biggest thing for him is going to be adding adding some size uh, if I had to compare him to someone on, on Miami's current roster I think think like larry hodges you know yeah. and i know we haven't seen much of larry hodges but similar size similar ball skills okay. uh he was good i'm gonna update his scouting report here in the next few days just some other takeaways that kind of pertain to miami georgia tech's got a really good tight end coming in yeah leo kept Black- tweeting Ber- his videos Ber- leo blackburn <laughs> i just think I i just think Collins has got, it's got a cook in there, man. He does with Jeff, with Jeff Sims. Like they're getting a bunch of transfers. Yeah.
1: You
0: know, I I think that they're going to be someone to watch in, in, in two years. And circling back to the DVD thing, there was a corner there from Georgia, uh, Khalil Anderson. It's a kid who signed with Pitt four-star kid out of the Atlanta area. I don't know. I mean, you would have to be really into the recruiting weeds to remember this, but Miami did offer him October, November, I had a chance to kind of not sit down with him, but have a off, not off the record, but you know, I, I wasn't writing a story and we were just chatting. I said, did you ever really look at Miami? And he's like, yeah, I, I did a few tours of the facility with DVD on, on FaceTime, but, but he thought it was weird because DVD was the only one that was really talking to him. He's like, I never really heard from, the cornerbacks coach or anything like that. And he ended up sticking and signing with Pittsburgh, but he told me he really liked DVD. Like if DVD was kind of the full-time assistant, maybe it would have been a different story. So I thought that was another just interesting nugget when it comes to DeMarcus and his recruiting potential. So who won that game, Florida, Georgia? Oh my God. It was 10, 10 with uh, a minute left. Okay. Oh, 10, 10. Yo, Keith Brown was awesome in the game. Texas A&M getting a good one there. 10, 10, Big Big fan. 10, 10 late. And if there was a spread on this game, it would have been bad beat city. Um, 10, 10, Georgia goes down the field, kicks a short field goal. Right. So now it's 13, 10, about a minute left. Florida has the potential to go down and either tie the game or take the lead. Uh, They put the quarterback I probably wouldn't have put in the game because you know it's an (laughs) all-star game. You're rotating guys, and I mean they're essentially just trying to throw it to Yolkeith Brown. He had gotten deep a few times. Right. Uh, Quarterback scrambles out, hit from behind, ends up like being one of those balls that pops up, caught by a defensive tackle. He scoots into the end zone. Oh. So so now it's now it's twenty to ten, right? I, again, I don't know what the spread is. I mean, I I would have had Georgia favored, you know, probably by eight points or so. Just having attended practices, so Florida now there's 30 seconds left. They send the team back out there. I think they're just going to run the ball. I mean, it had been pretty chippy. A few guys had been ejected. Plenty of flags. No nope, pick six. So Georgia ends up winning like 26 to 10.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Got wild at the end, huh? Yeah. Next year is the, is the game in Georgia. Do you know?
0: I heard I heard that they're planning to do it in Orlando. So okay, you know it was it was a cool game. Um, I I try to get as many Miami kids as I as I could in there. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. I I think a lot of people didn't know what to expect. Right. Um, and, and now they do. But it was a good event. It would have been nice maybe like a a Thomas Davis get him in there or something like that. Right. But, uh, put a little put a little bow on on the on the twenty twenty one class, and now we go right into. 2022 big seven on seven tournament this upcoming weekend in, in fort lauderdale yeah.
1: um so time to shift gears yeah i'm excited for it i plan to be out there so uh get a read on, on how all these guys look at this early stage in the cycle it'll be fun all right guys we will
0: talk to you next time
1: take care guys